0: About death is uncomfortable. We think if we don't talk about it it won't happen. Sadly this isn't true. It's the only thing in life that we can be certain about and because we don't talk about it often we don't know what to do when we experience the death of a loved one. My name is Fiona Garvin and this is Deadly Serious Conversations. I'll be talking to a range of people who will share their knowledge and experience so we can learn how to make dying part of living. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to the lovely Victoria from Tilopia Flowers. Vic uses flowers in a very special way for funerals. And in this episode, she shares with us how we can use flowers to really personalise the funeral ceremony, but in a sustainable way. Good morning, Vic. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Can you tell us a little bit about you and what you do that is different from any other florist? So
1: uh, I guess I'm not so different to other florists in some respects. And I think there's a wide spectrum of florists out there offering lots of different things. But what I focus on in my business is supplying sustainable flowers, botanical arrangements to funerals and wakes and memorial services, which basically means that I use no plastic, no floral foam. And that's a really important point because that's rife in um, the funeral industry, flowers are most often set into floral foam. That's that spongy green stuff. You wouldn't think that there's anything that particularly uh, evil about it, but it's actually um, quite toxic. It's toxic to florists who use it and it has been found in marine life. So and it's another one of those uh, plastics that finds its ways into waterways and into um, animals. So um, there's quite a big movement, a surge in the floral industry at the moment to do away with floral foam. So, yeah, so is that something that I I don't use? Uh, No plastic tapes. I don't use, just basically I don't use disposable plastics. My work practices, I recycle any soft plastics that come through the business through a Red Cycle program. All green waste goes through the council. (laughs) So I'm sort of trying to close that circle for myself. I'm at a point in my life. I suppose where it's more important than ever that my uh, values are aligned with my actions so to have that sense of congruence is really important and I think that it's really important for other people too Where basically they can just get placed with the body they can be put through um, and cremated with the body uh, they can be laid they can be shared yeah, or they can be composted.
0: For years, we've often associated funerals and flowers together. Yeah, and flowers are used as a beautiful way to pay a tribute to someone who's passed away. And they're a lovely way to honour someone and to really personalise the space. But funeral flowers don't have to be that very traditional um, arrangements that we are very familiar with. What are some of the creative ways that flowers can be used? in funerals? Well, I think um,
1: creative ways. The options, I suppose, that we've seen over recent years, the fact that flowers all pretty much seem to look the same, is it comes down to these, once again, foam-based arrangements that you buy um, from a supplier in a certain shape and you have to design in a certain way. That's why funeral flowers All look the same. They're in some similar shapes. In our industry you know you've seen such a change in flowers and I suppose actually it's constantly changing. If you look at the other major life event where people buy flowers it's for weddings and you know people are doing amazing things for weddings and that changes over time. It's very much about fashion but if you look to weddings as an example of what can be done then The sky's the limit. It really depends on your style. Of course, it depends on your budget. But even if you haven't got a huge budget, you could do still something that's very natural, um, very garden-inspired and much more personal than what you would typically think about. So, for example, um, you and I are working together Mm. this week. We are. And I've had an opportunity to cut from someone's garden And um, we're doing a big coffin piece all with branches and foliage and some flowers from the garden. And then we'll be decorating, doing the vases and pews and the procession way, all with these flowers and foliage. So like that is deeply personal and very beautiful. And I guess personally, I find that those very stiff in inverted commas, old fashioned floral arrangements, they don't soothe me. They don't nurture me. I'm not comforted by those. I just feel they're, they're very stiff. They're very proper. And for me, that's not what I would want at a funeral. I see nature, uh, at, well, let's see. I see the flowers as a way to signpost the way back to nature. So it's a calling. It's the flowers, the flowers. The botanical arrangements at a funeral can be there to soothe people to connect them with that with that sense of belonging to the natural world flowers can be gathered from gardens flowers can be bought at market it's sort of you know it's lovely if you if you have a garden that you can gather them from but you can still buy them from the market and and have this approach to the design where things you know, arrangements can be untied, unravelled, shared, scattered, placed with the body with the shroud before cremation. You know, if you use and do plastic-free arranging, if you ha- if you would like to scatter ashes at sea, you can put the flowers in. And if you, and I guess it's a bit cliché to say if you care about the environment, but it's kind of true. If you care to not pollute with your actions, and if that. If, if, you know, if you want, if you feel that if they are your values and you want your actions to be congruent, then this is a really important place because the person has passed, but the people who are living also will be living in this world. And we need to take care of those people and this world by using sustainable practices. So I guess I've sort of looped around to sustainable practices again, but just as a way, I guess, to say florists are highly skilled people. And if you go to a florist, your local florist, and you say, I want something that's plastic free, that looks wild or doesn't look wild, that looks quite formal and um, graceful. If you ask them, they can do that for you. And it's a way that you can really personalize your choice, have that action congruent with your value or with the value of the person who has passed. And often that's really important as well. And then, you know, create a space where everyone who attends the funeral is held by nature, which I think is very healing for people.
0: And this lovely gentleman who passed away that we're working together next week, I know that everybody who loved him knew how important his garden was to him. And so to acknowledge the beauty in having his flowers that he's cared for and tended to over the years and that everyone spent time in his garden with them, how incredibly special. It's just beautiful.
1: Yeah, I think we we look for ways to connect to the experience of grief and it's difficult. And I think that bringing in the personal, which is, you know, another way that I work in the business, I'm really... um, Very much all about using vases and bowls and vessels. I'd use a gumboot, it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Ways to bring in, so you know, someone will come and they'll attend the funeral and they'll see the vase and they'll go, I gave him that vase, or we had a laugh. You know, like we need to connect to this experience and we need signposts to connect to the experience and personal objects and garden inspired, sustainable which generally for me means compostable because I also don't use any wire. These arrangements, they speak to the need. They speak to the heart's need to connect and to be soft.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then people can take home those beautiful arrangements and enjoy them for as long as they last. So that's really beautiful. And the other thing I know that you do is you can often work with children. So if if a family has small children, inviting them to be a big part of the arranging of the flowers and getting them to touch and feel and be involved, which is so incredibly beautiful. Mm.
1: Yeah, I really encourage all uh, family members, close friends, people who attend, um, to interact with the flowers. Once again, it's that old school way of thinking, like, oh, you wouldn't touch the flowers. You might put one out of place. But I'm like, touch the flowers, you know, rearrange <laughs> a stem. Or, you know, if a little kid wants to pick something up and put it somewhere else, it gives life yeah. to such a such a sad time. And again, it helps to, you know, these threads that we pull together these threads of memory that will become our memories, these all help to integrate this seismic shift of someone passing.
0: Yeah. And how beautiful for little kids to have such a positive experience when they're surrounded by so much sadness and and grief and have those memories.
1: Well, we have a lot to learn in our Aussie culture, I think, about um, relaxing around things like that. Um, you know I know that certainly it's not appropriate for children to participate in certain rituals possibly again to be involved so special and they don't see death the same way as us you know I think often they'll still talk like the person is here and they are still here inside of us and again that's soothing and it's and it helps to connect I think we're when someone passes away particularly if it's traumatic or sudden i mean it just reverberates out doesn't it mm. from close family into the community and people are in shock and they're dislocated from their normal reality and to heal in a situation like that is to i think slowly to to come back you need again those signposts you need ritual you need physical ritual you need um things to step through. And that's where I think that um, also if you can incorporate flowers into the funeral rituals, even if that starts right at the end with end-of-life vigils, bringing flowers in from the garden. Yeah, I just think essentially we belong to nature and we return to it and we are all undeniably soothed by nature. So you can have very stiff bone-based floral arrangements (laughs) or you can have something that speaks to you, that speaks to the person who's passed and and you'll remember that funeral and you'll remember those yellow roses and you'll remember, you know, the pink snaps and you'll remember the tumbling cypress and these things all just help, I think, help us to integrate the experience.
0: Beautiful, absolutely. And so families often don't know... You know, they know that they might want flowers at the funeral um, because it seems to be very much a traditional part of of a funeral. But often they're very unsure about how much they might cost. So how much can we expect to pay for a floral arrangement or what's involved?
1: Yeah, I'm really, um, you know, we talked a little bit before the podcast about this question. It was great because I I really gave it some thought Um, and I've got a couple of things to say about it. My first thing to say is I just need to stand up for florists. (laughs) Because, you know, it's a real, it's really hard yakka. And you might just see a bunch of carnations. You didn't see that the florist went at 3 a.m. to get those, took them back, you know, all these flowers, you know, conditioned them, unwrapped them, hauled numerous heavy black buckets of water around their freezing studio (laughs) and then actually bought them a week early because they had to open them and they wanted them to be open just right on the day. Now, that's not at all complaining about floral, you know, working conditions because, like, you sign up for it, that's cool. (laughs) But but there's a lot of work behind flowers and there's a lot of time, like administrative tasks, you think, where has the time gone? You know, like I'm going to spend a bit of time this afternoon wiping dirt off camellia leaves, just so they shine just right. So I just think, you know, it's important for people to understand there's a lot of care and a lot of work that goes into flowers. So um, people, you know, might think, oh, flowers are so expensive. Wow, well, they are. They're expensive to buy at the market. They're expensive to buy en masse. So if you want a big display, you can expect to pay quite a lot because it's a lot of work for the florist, not only to to procure the flowers, to make sure they're open at the right time, to be changing water every day and fussing over the hyacinths and making sure their heads aren't falling over, you know, just (laughs) right for the day, Um, you know. And then the time spent arranging, you know, that's a skill. It's a skill that's honed over a long time. So I guess I'm just, you know, just setting it up to say value flowers, value that, that they are, you know, that someone has grown them that they've been shipped to market, a florist has busted their butt, you know, like getting there, trying to get the colours you want, ordering them, and but that's that's to be valued. Now, insofar as a cost, much like any event or situation with flowers, you could spend as much as you wanted. You could just spend thousands of dollars on, you know, incredible garden-grown roses from the peninsula or this or that or the other. But let's just say you want a nice rambling uh, top for a coffin, maybe a large one. And then you would like a couple of vases here and there, and maybe some flowers for someone to lay. Maybe, you know, you have a, you have a basket of flowers so that each one who, person who attends can come and lay a floral tribute. You're looking probably at about $800, which I know when you say it sounds like a lot, but there's hours of work behind that. Of course you can go cheaper. Of course you can always go cheap. That sounds bad, but you know what I mean? You can always not spend that much at all. Or you And, you know, And if you don't have a big budget, then I say, and this actually just leads me onto something else that I wanted to talk about quickly. If you don't have a big budget, but you have many friends wanting to help, get those friends on WhatsApp and ask everyone to bring flowers from their garden And then just get a couple of other friends because people always want to help Fiona, right? And people don't know what to do. That's one of the biggest things around when someone dies. Like no one knows what to do. And again, it's that ritual. If you could bring in a bunch of friends, you know, to make up posies, to put stuff together, really simple, grab vases, plonk the flowers in. I mean, let's face it. You could gather flowers from your garden, plonk them in a vase. For some unbeknownst reason, they always look really good. <laughs> you know, you can spend hours arranging them, but if you just like cut them from the garden because somehow, you know, when you cut from the garden, they're often very different lengths, so you get that sort of choice made for you and then you wrap them up in your hand and you plonk them and you think, that looks really nice. Yeah. You know, you could do that. And then you don't even need a florist, but you need someone in charge of it. So, And just leading on from that just quickly, I wanted to say that I really want people to think again when they send sympathy flowers because you go to someone's house and someone has passed away, you're there to visit and there's 15, you know, vases of flowers that have arrived that these people have no vases for or they've arrived in floral foam, worse than they have to deal with that as well. You know, they're half dead. No one at that house is changing the water. Who's got the energy for that? I think that, um And so, you know, I've I've arrived at home to cut from the garden and and the first thing I do is go, right, I'll deal with the vases because it's it's such a burden for people. So you think it's a nice thing, but actually send a card, you know, or send food for the freezer and be aware, as we all know, but keep in mind that grief is a long game. People need flowers two months later.
0: And that's exactly what I do. I put a little note to remind me to send some flowers a month or six weeks later when all the other flowers have gone um, just so that someone can receive those to let them know that I'm thinking of them. So absolutely, totally agree with that, Vic.
1: Or give someone, you know, a friend the job and say in three days time, can you go over and fix up the flowers? Because the last thing a bereaved person needs this stinky flower water and half-dead carnation. You know, like it's just the the, the impulse is really beautiful and tender and, and true, but the reality of that is just it's another thing for these poor people who are trying to organise a funeral, deal with family members. You know, there's often it's going to be animosity or there's going to be some kind of friction. They've got so much to do with. They don't need to be rummaging through their recycling for jars to put flowers in. <laughs> You know, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's something that I guess you wouldn't think about. But um, I just think be there, offer help.
0: Offer help. And just speaking of the amount of flowers, often families I meet comment on the amount of flowers that they receive, and I encourage them to actually bring them to the ceremony space to include them so that they can be used in the ceremony space at the funeral. But also, going back to inviting family and friends to bring flowers from their gardens and putting them in vases and things, they actually don't need to go that far as well because I've, I've had funerals where I've invited everyone to bring. A flower from the garden, and as people come in, they place it around the coffin, and sometimes they cascade onto the floor. But that looks incredibly beautiful
1: so so beautiful! Absolutely, it comes probably just just a bit down to personal style as well. Some people are going to be really really happy with that, and I think that's great. Other people will just want more, and that's that's great too, you know. Like, there's no if you want something massive. Have something massive, but let it align with your values and expect to pay for it because if you want it done well and you don't want to use, you know, nasty imported roses where you have no idea about their province or the labour practices where they're grown and a lot of roses are grown overseas, so there's a lot of imported flowers. Use Australian-grown flowers. Use a local florist who, you know, particularly in this time, do with the work because there's no weddings happening. And, and actually, you know lean on them. Florists have amazing skills and I'm just dying to use them, you know, so, like, I think you can put your trust in them. If you find someone where you can sort of see that you like their general aesthetic and then give it to them, maybe, you know, get a close friend or family member to talk to the florist. So it's not immediate family to and then just let go and, and, and be held by it.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Vic, for having a chat with us about all things flowers today. Where can we find you? Um, well, I'm
1: Melbourne based. I have a website, and I'll um, you'll put that onto your show notes, Talopia Flowers. So, yeah, you anyone's welcome to call me
0: up. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I know that you're on Instagram as well. You've yeah, got some
1: Flowers on Instagram as well. But you know, I'm really happy just to speak with people and. Um, yeah, talk things over um, with no you know. I love talking flowers. I talk
0: to flowers. You know,
1: happy to talk flowers to anybody. <laughs> <anytime>. <laughs> absolutely. Thank you so much, Fiona, it's been great talking to you. I hope I've
0: made sense. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I know just before we go, I am, we've both been having a cuppa. Have you used something from your beautiful garden in your cuppa today? Have you?
1: Uh, My garden. My garden could never produce enough tea leaves for me. <laughs> <laughs> I drink tea by the cup. I drink it by the pot. No, i have just, um, yeah, just an just a English breakfast with some milk. And today, because it's a bit cold, I've put some ginger and honey in it. Oh, in your English breakfast. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, because, you know, it's a bit like a, bit like a chai,
0: you know, milk, yeah. a bit of honey, a bit of ginger. Yeah. Um, yeah fantastic well thank you so much it's just been wonderful as always Vic and I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom with us today oh my pleasure if anyone
1: has any questions um I didn't cover something just feel free to contact me
0: wonderful thank you thanks Fiona